is Donna Peters back for season four of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. Here we continue to shine a mic on career-driven, life-minded professionals, sharing our wins and our warts as we cultivate the role we want work to play in our lives. Putting work to work for us, as I like to say, let's get in there. On this episode of The Me Suite, I am going to sit down with Arda Ural, and I think that his business card might be a piece of paper about eight and a half by 10, because he needs a lot of room to include all of his degrees and certifications on it. He has a master's in science. He is an MBA, and I understand graduated top of his class. He is a PhD. He is also a DAD. He is a dad. I think we often in our business community see a lot of thought sharers who are sharing, liking, resharing information, but Arda is a thought leader, and I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for what on earth it must be like to be inside this man's brain. So we're going to get into this in a little bit, but first let me welcome Arda Ural to the Me Suite. Donna, thank you for the introduction. You set the bar really high for the interview <laughs> and, and happy new year to you and then to, to your listeners. You have to admit though, Arda, your brain is a scary place. <laughs> it's busy in there. It's interesting, Arda, in the many, many years that I've known you, I kind of think of you as both a sponge and a sprinkler. You're, you're a sponge for information where you're just constantly scanning and learning and staying current and on top of trends, et cetera. But you're also a sprinkler in that you synthesize information and share all of those ideas with other people. So I'm going to want to get into that in a little bit as we talk about your leadership style. But I first want to start you where we start everybody in the me suite, and that's anchored in your core values. What are your core values and how have they driven some of these major decisions that you've made across your career? I think the trust is the one that is one element that starts with everything. If you want to do business with a consultant or uh, on the industry, yeah, creating trust so that they, you know, people look at you and they want to judge you by something like, "What is in it for this guy to talk to me?" Right? Mm-hmm. And if I think if you don't establish the trust, things will get always uh, not authentic. The authenticity is enabled by trust, and mm-hmm. uh, they kind of feed each other. Uh, I think the number one is: Do you convey to the other party that you're talking that you do this not out of your self-interest, but out of the kind of a win-win situation or adding value to the other party's um, priorities. How do you define your leadership style and and what are these moments that have really shaped it over those years? So maybe um, let me kind of go back to how it all started. You mentioned the school credentials while in uh, public schools in Turkey. So when I started uh, my pharmaceutical career uh, in Turkey, it was, uh, it was very serendipitous. I could have gone to a television company or I could have gone to a manufacturing company. Those were like as stupid choices as they are. Like those uh-huh. were the options. And then, so I ended up with healthcare because um, uh, that was um, also intellectually challenging. Yeah. So the, the moments that uh, you, you think about those offers and then which way you want to go, that's a big moment to determine which way you will shape your rest of your career. Yeah. And then once you get in there, uh, you see a multinational companies, uh, the benefit of having all these opportunities to learn and execute on things that, that you can actually make a difference. And 
every moment that you succeed, you feel like you put the right strategy in place, mm-hmm. you will be executing it, it feels good. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of big boost of confidence to, to yourself that you know this is going to happen. And I think the moments that matter to your, to your point, there are moments, hopefully there are not too many of them, but you feel like this is not going right. So you need to yeah. take corrective action. Those, those moments, in fact, probably matter more. Why? Because there are fewer yeah. and you learn from the mistakes or mistakes to be happening. Mm-hmm. Every day is, is, a, is going to school, right? You, you <laughs> uh, live through those moments and uh, they shape your leadership style. It's going to shape more probably yeah. over the next 15, 20 years, as long as we will be active in the professional life. Uh, but we'll have more of those uh, moments that matter. Every day is going to school. I love that. That's a great quotation. So you really are a thought leader. You, you a very active publisher. You are very active as uh, guest speakers and keynoting on key trends and topics. Is there something about your day or your week that you do as a leader to stay fresh and relevant on trends? You need to uh, probably some tricks uh, for the listeners. When you see something uh, that you believe will help you connect the dots somewhere else or kind of fill some uh, gap, you should just make a note about it or just save it somewhere or just download it or take a picture or something so that when time is right, you will get to it. Uh, I think that's an ongoing process, having your receptors to be open to to new new and relevant intel, whether it's an email or some publication or some book even. So along those lines, you need to be open and receptive to everything. But you know that you will not be able to consume them at that time because it's just our days are... I just counted this week. I had 107 uh, meetings this week from like through Friday. Okay. And uh, so that means that you need to really carve out time. So after evenings, uh, unfortunately, we are. Uh, you mentioned your your brain is like a sponge. I mean, it is like a sponge by you know, <laughs> you know six seven p.m. because we got through like twenty meetings a day. Yeah, yeah. Very spongy, uh, gray tissue there. So uh, it, you just can't uh, consume uh, mm-hmm. content. So I like to do two things. One, reflect on a, maybe a Saturday or Sunday morning. Okay. Collect those things and then spend an hour or two. Because it's like good, like it's an intellectual curiosity that you uh, entertain there. Uh, and that becomes, uh, that works for me. And then the other thing is, uh, I know some people do that too. Some people are really early risers, like 5, you know, 6 p.m. I'm 6 a.m. I, I can't do that as, as frequently as I would like to. Yeah. But if you go there early on one day, because you can't sleep because you've been thinking about something, you just wake up. Before the uh, meeting uh, marathon starts and the emails are already there, so you can kind of shut them off a little bit, you kind of dig into uh, some of that content. I think those are the two forums and timing uh, I uh, try to carve out for myself to be to stay relevant to to our clients and, and to ourselves. Yeah. Well, in the Me Suite, one of our mantras is stay fresh and relevant for the future that we want to have. And I do think it takes a discipline. And I do think you find it a natural rhythm that other people need to learn and practice. So I like that you shared that one example of you're constantly sensing and your receptors are open to gather this information. And then you give yourself the time to sit in it, connect the dots and, and think about, well, what are the implications for the future? How did you go from growing up in Turkey to having this type of business leadership now? How, how, did, you, how did you get here? How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> I mean, joke aside, when that's the that's I think maybe one lesson learned for everyone mm-hmm. uh, who's maybe earlier on in their careers too. 
you just can't plan, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years ahead, right? Okay. Uh, if people ask me, and I'm kind of growing up in an emerging market, you know, transporting myself in a bus to go to school and then try to uh, study engineering. And you kind of look back 40 years or 35 years later, there's no way you will be able to predict uh-huh. which way uh, it's going to happen to you. And we are still in journey. We are, you know, basically humbled by life and, and, and the challenges right. that the life poses us, right? So the journey, though, which I kind of alluded a little bit. So I grew up in, uh, in Istanbul and I got educated everything uh, in public schools. Uh, and uh, it was... Uh, an environment of you know emerging markets, right? Mm-hmm. You were lucky when you had like a you know running water and and heated water was a luxury kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as you do, I think it's just a tough environment to to learn and survive, right? So you you thrive by surviving, and uh, I think you learn that nothing is for granted. You learn mm-hmm. that you earn it, and uh, even in in that environment, you also learn life is not fair sometimes. Mm-hmm. Even if you do all the right things, it may not happen to you. So that was, I think, how we uh, grew up. It's also academically very competitive. Mm. I was like studying engineering, mechanical engineering, which was the, the path. And you would go to engineering, do the MBA and work for banks. Mm. That was the path. So I kind of went through the first two you know, steps and then ended up working for a big pharma company. Uh, and then uh, when I was in the U.S. the first time, there was this international meeting. The first time I'm actually participating. And I go like, wow, you could do that. And oh, you could do this. So that was an aha moment, like the moments that matter question. Yeah, yeah. Were, those were the moments like, oh, you could actually do this. And my wife, I mean, that's, that's, thankfully, uh, yeah. was accommodating to kind of pivot her career. I'm thankful to her. I'm going to make sure that she listens to this portion of the recording. That's done. right. Yeah. So a big thank think, you to her to enable this. <laughs> in 96, so we made the trip. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, a lot of people, it's an immigration story, but, yeah. you know, you're just on a plane and with not much other than your brand equity across the big pharma company at the time. And so that's how we started. I stayed, uh, fortunately, I, I uh, got lucky by thrown at uh, big brands, launches, et cetera, at the mm. time. And then they were, they were, uh, you know, maybe it is one of those moments that, you know, good things happen to people who kind of keep you know, trying hard moments. Uh, and uh, so we got lucky with you know, at that young age to um, be accountable for large brands and launches, et cetera. And so that kind of really radiated me for, I think, the next step, which was a, a biotech startup company, mm-hmm. uh, which was a big risk. But I think that was the right time to uh, do the risk. It was a four years journey. I learned tremendously. These biotechs are like dog years. Like in one year, you learn seven years worth of uh, <laughs> uh, experience. And so that was the kind of uh, the second step in my career that was eye-opening. Mm. And then uh, it was the moment, like what is the, uh, what is the kind of a moment at that point in time? This was 2010. Do you want to go and build your own brand in the market? Or do you want to kind of continue to be the corporate citizen? Uh, but in the consulting, it's a very different agile game and uh, learning yourself, almost reinventing yourself, taking a couple steps down. Uh, that was a big, big moment that mattered. Yeah. And that's kind of a reflective uh, moment because you just can't predict your career. But what you can do is get ready for what is next uh, without knowing. And uh, maybe one other reflection, Donna, for the audience here. I think self-imposed goals are mm. great for us because we are uh, collectively, like you know, a hundred percent of the audience who's listening 
is probably uh, thinking like, I'm going to manage my own career. I'll take bigger opportunities. I'll excel myself, make, you know, make yeah. the most out of my capacity. Right. But you can, you can hope and plan, but you just, you're not going to change um, in face of certain uncertainties. Yeah. So what that means is self-imposed goals are great. As long as it's the planning, it's not the plan, right? The plan will change hundred uh, percent. Was it like a Tyson's point that you know, all the planning goes when you're slapped in the, in the face? I mean, exactly. That's exactly. The moment <laughs> like you're, you got all this plan figured out, you know, mm-hmm. for the audience coming out of business school. Yeah. Like 10 years, I'll be CEO. I think the books are written for a lot of how to become CEO. 99.4.99% of the audience is not going to be CEO. Correct. So what is like, maybe Donna, that's your, that's your book, right? So <laughs> what, what is the book for the person who's not going to be CEO? Right. And uh, that is, um, that is, I think, very important and reflective. So uh, my guidance counsel for whatever it's worth is, uh, you know, don't focus on a self-imposed plan and timeline, but be uh, strong enough to see the moment, uh, step up and, uh, and uh, adjust. I think the agility to uh. adjust is very Darwinian. Right? We need to learn from the moment and kind of find those survival skills and, and uh, make the most out of it. Yeah. So I love everything about what you've said. I want to ask a question about one of it. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you haven't really been that person to plan 10, 15, 20 years out. And then you also mentioned these very significant career moves and career pivots that you had made. Is there any pattern to them? That's a, that's a great question. I think, look, I mean, it's a pattern, right? There's yeah. no, not a pattern. There's not one pattern. But okay. I think if you look, I mean, it takes a certain kind of personality and, and risk profile for uh, change, so yeah. acceptance of change. And, yeah. and Sometimes, uh, even your circumstances, maybe you have a new, new child, maybe your wife is changing jobs or, or your father is sick or so, something like that, of course, uh, cannot be extracted from that decision-making mm. time, and, uh, time and day. But um, I think it's a combination of both, uh, mm. all of the above, Donna, to, to answer the question. Sometimes mm. you're not looking and then some recruiter is calling or someone who used to work for, that was my kind of uh, big pharma to biotech story, someone I used to work for, dropped my name to the investors uh, and who reached out. I wasn't, I didn't have like an updated resume kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like, especially now, right, this is the, uh, the time of the, oh, the great resignation, especially now. People are, I think, more open to uh, make those uh, career moves. Yeah. Uh, so to answer the question, I think it's a, there's not a pattern I can yeah. uh, tell you looking backwards. Yeah. I think the one um, concept is Ikigai. I don't know if you uh, heard the uh, Ikigai. Yeah, sh- so, share it with me. I, I only know yeah. it at a cursory level and I think it's fascinating. Keep going. What do you love? Yeah. You, right. Is one story. This is a Venn diagram for the uh-huh. folks on the. It's like a four Venn diagram. Yeah. What do you love to do, and what the world needs, mm-hmm. and then what you uh, are good at, mm-hmm. right? And what you can be paid for. Yes. Right. So, what is the? If you have the kind of a combination or the intersection of those four things, yeah. Then I think you are uh, achieving your best. So that's, I think, pretty. Pretty cool way of looking at it, I'm saying. So let me ask you another fun question. You are clearly a super, super smart guy. Do you do anything that's just mindless and stupid? I thought that was my job, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. I mean, but no, but seriously, do, do you do anything 
that isn't intellectual? We do stuff, but I don't have like, yeah, I got this. Like, I'm a golfer, avid golfer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I suck at golf, unfortunately, so I can't claim that. <laughs> but no, not not much. Okay. Um, so, so then, what do you envision for yourself when you're retired? Will you be retired? I don't think there's like a set date. Uh, when uh, 65 was set for like Medicaid, Medicare for uh, Medicare, for example, or a European pension. It was done in Bismarck era, mm-hmm. and it was just actuarial studies show that people won't live past that a That's lot. Right. So that was the date for people to say, hey, we will start offering you pension at that time because the, you know, the turn of the century, the life expectancy yeah. was about 50, right? 54 for, uh, for humanity. So we are in a different world. We don't yeah. die of infections as much, right? Uh, cancer even being treated or you know, heart disease has been kind of largely under control thanks to again the pharmaceutical advancement so i think we should just go for the long plan i don't think we should self-impose ourselves you know 60 65 whatever yeah as much as you can do and as long as you kind of live up to your uh, ikigai Uh uh-huh so my third fun question is more around your kids if i were to interview your kids and i asked them if there's something that you typically say that you know, that was always my dad's advice, or dad always says this. Is there something that you are embedding in them that they will remember if I were to interview them? This is actually funny that um, they kind of repeat stuff back at me, and I go like, "How do you remember? Like you told me that? Okay, I told you like a five years ago. Were you listening? You were on your phone. Like, yeah, we were listening. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I think. Look, it is our, as parents or or uh, as uh, elderly. Uh, uh, relatives mm-hmm. that uh, to our nieces and nephews, I think our obligation is to instill them with the values that will help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I try to always uh, tell them, look, uh, you, you hard work is mm-hmm. is uh, is a, a merit that that will never that never go out of fashion. I think the hard work, hard work, hard work. And that's that's the one that we distill them. Yeah, uh, and I think that's one thing that would come out and. The other one is, um, uh, I think, uh, this um, this intellectual curiosity, just learn stuff that yeah. you, know, you will never know when it's going to come helpful. Those, I think, two would certainly uh, come up as, uh, and, and, and you do interview them, probably you will find more. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, it's up on us, right? As yeah. big parents or as, as elderly relatives or big parents, that's our obligation to the next generation. Yeah, well, but you're you're true to this. I mean, you you are exhibiting intellectual curiosity, and you have worked incredibly hard. So they also see you. I think walking that talk. I think those are wonderful. So my last question is the the me sweet sweetener. Is there any advice that you have for our listeners of things that we should start doing differently on Monday? I think what, when you, well, now we talked about Higai, right? Mm. The principle. I think uh, uh, when you feel like you are not. Uh, in your sweet spot, you're mm-hmm. using your words. Uh, I think you know maybe uh, you should evaluate that. I don't advise to you know res- resign tomorrow and then start looking for a job, but yeah, find your sweet spot. How about that? Yeah, I, I love it, and and I want to remind people too. And I have seen this so much in my career coaching practice over the last few years. We often can find that intersection even where we're currently working. If we go to mentors and sponsors that we're working with, share with them what we want to be doing or how we want to see our role or contribution evolving, 
we often don't have to leave the current company to get at the intersection of where we want to be working. So I, I do, I see that a lot and really encourage people that as you're looking at these options and wanting to live more at the intersection of all those things in Ikigai, that you even use your current relationships where you're currently working to see if it can even be shaped where you are. The like 125 to 250 years is kind of what the analysis shows. If you look back uh, last 500 years, those are the terms of how those are the periods when societies do well and then something disruptive happens and then another society picks up, another nation picks up. I think that's kind of almost like a human life. So we got this, you know, given, you know, biological life and whatever you do with it uh, will be, um, uh, will be up on us and we move on and, and life, life, life goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to end on that note because you just reminded us of why I said earlier that your brain was such a fascinating place. <laughs> so I appreciate you opening up your experiences and sharing your knowledge and wisdom in the Me Suite. This is Arda Ural, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for spending time in the Me Suite. If you have ideas for topics you'd like discussed this season, contact me at themesuite.com or on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, five-star ratings and reviews keep us alive out here. They really do make a difference.